today we're gonna go on a, on a field trip, man. Just two, just two dudes going going on a road trip. Sounds familiar. Back to 2004. Way back. Way back. Oh man, this was a great year. If if you were uh, just a bunch of kids from UCB, ready to do your first flash mob. This is when flash mobs were at, at their their peak. And uh, maybe you do a flash mob in front of an AMC playing The Passion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were wearing a Live Strong bracelet or dancing to Snoop and Pharrell's Drop It Like It's Hot. Nice. Those are things that would have been happening this year. Flash mob was a UCB thing? I feel like flash mobs were just a thing in general that people were getting into. Like, yeah. like a zany white, uh, like a pregame for a terrorist activity. Like, let's... Let's just, everybody would text and be like, "Let's meet here at noon, all wearing, uh, you know, right. felt Peter Pan hats because we're never growing up." <laughs> yeah, so flash mobs, man. Highlight, highlight of two thousand four. What was a highlight for you? Um, man, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I, I historically there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. Almost I was taking, too much. I was taking the four and five trains up to the Bronx every day, and uh, I was uh, when I'd come home from work and I'd play San Andreas Grand Theft Auto. Oh, is that when San Andreas came out? Yeah, that was my jam. Wow. And uh, and I, I whenever I was commuting on the train, I'd just see uh, bookworms reading the Da Vinci Code, and there was uh, an election. People were trying to get George Bush out of office. God, that really seems like so so long ago. I was rooting for Howard Dean, and then he made that that. Yeah, that noise. terrified animal scream. And uh, really, all that was 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 just his vocals isolated without the sound of the crowd behind him. <laughs> Which is what anybody would sound like. Listen to any singer if you just listen to the vocal track and not the music behind it. It's a, it's a little off putting. Uh yeah. I mean, it was a it was a the squawking squeal that lost him any any chance at that election. Isn't that funny that that, that that's all it took back in the day? Yeah, to... well, Americans are pretty vapid. Yeah, now you can be like, "Yo, she's bleeding out of her face and her whatever," and you and they're she like, just lied about a bunch of different shit." And this guy's a terrible human being. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see. At least yeah. none of them made weird noises. Yeah. Um, what else was going on? The tsunami, dude. That was uh, huge. Rough. Huge, and then there were some evangelical Christians that blamed uh, blamed Thailand for the tsunami happening to them because they they let uh, like uh, sex tourists come. The lady boys, it's a lady boys' fault. Yes, yeah. So uh, you know, people love blaming. um... (laughs) Religious zealots love blaming. Big old blame game over there. Yeah, yeah. They'll find they'll find any way to make like a natural disaster. Come down to your your personal moral choices. We all, what else we got going on? Bush and Kerry battling it out. Abu Ghraib, dude. Uh, yep. Shout outs to making uh, Te- tepid tepid war crime. Oh my god. Yeah, just making pyramids out of our um, our prisoners. Um, Human pyramids uh, brought to you by the U.S. Uh, government and Blackwater, who had their consultants there helping out with the interrogations, enhanced interrogations. So uh, yeah, uh, I re- I saw I remember I saw Fahrenheit nine eleven. Yep, year. that year that's, that that's came when out it came out. So that was a big deal. And actually, I was rewatching that recently, Fahrenheit nine eleven. Yeah, uh, not I, Fahrenheit eleven nine. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, yeah. that's just. Uh, but you know what I was thinking about I, the scene maker. that the scene in Fahrenheit nine eleven that really struck out to me was um, this time watching it was the army recruiters, and I've never thought about how evil a job army recruiting is. These dudes, they, they send out two like well-groomed Marine guys in their formal outfits, and uh, they'll just go and cruise the parking lots in malls in depressed communities, like looking for guys that look like they, they would, like teenagers. They're, they're like, oh, let's find the youngest, most inexperienced-looking kids out here and see if we can uh, fool them into enlisting. And, and I just kept thinking about like pimps like trying to turn out runaways. And like put them right. on the strip, or uh, very similar, or maybe like a, a Romanian gangsters looking for Ukrainian peasant girls to be like, would <laughs> you, would you let very specific? Game. <laughs> hey, you want a modeling gig in the West? We got you. <laughs> Just get in this container. Oh, and then they wake up in uh, Bahrain. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they, re- they recruit along the same lines every time. They're looking for certain people. To yes. Fight. So um, uh, don't trust your army recruiter. Yeah. Uh, what else happened? Facebook was launched in Harvard. 
Yeah. Small time. Super elite. You had to be part of the Ivy League schools to even get a Facebook account. I think almost specifically Harvard for the first year. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, and then it branched out slowly and surely. I was in a sketch group with a bunch of young kids from Sarah Lawrence at the time, and they were like the second wave of kids to get Facebook, and I was so envious because I was like, oh man, I'm still on MySpace with Dane Cook? It's just me and Dane Cook on MySpace. I need to get on that Facebook. I think it took me until 2008 or 2009 wow. to get on Facebook. Not yeah. an early adopter. Never a fan of the social medias. Um, yeah. Uh, Jackson's boob falls out. Yeah, Super Bowl. That's a big. That was a big deal too. I guess for some people. I guess yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you know. I'm in the who gives a shit category on that one. (laughs) It's interesting because almost every celebrity has uh, has there's images of them out there topless. I mean, all you have to do is Google anyone, and there you can see you can see a nipple. You can see it's not a big deal. You know, free the nipples, a big campaign here in New York. Was it even a nipple? I didn't even think so. I thought it got covered up by what's-his-face. Like a pasty? Timberlake. Timberlake's hand. Mm. Maybe I'm going to get confused with her Rolling Stone cover where she's got hands covering her boobs. Uh, It popped out, and I don't think anyone really saw anything. And it was during the Super Bowl, so people made a fucking big deal out of it. Right, 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 right. Uh, Old Dirty Bastard dies, R-I-P-O-D-B. Yeah, he was um, a hero. A a seminal member of the... uh, there's a uh, fantastic, uh, I think it's an MTV video where he goes in a limo to go and uh, like cash his welfare checks. Yeah, he's using his EBT card or ED, what are they called? EBTs. Yeah, yeah. You know, and no shame in the game. I'm fine with that. It's very, it's very tough to to get out of the system once you're in the system. You know, no one taught him if anything about money, finance. It's free food. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ODB RIP. That's what you um, get for paying or not paying taxes. <laughs> White chicks came out. Speaking of not paying taxes, <laughs> The Apprentice was launched. Yes, The Apprentice was launched, uh, uh, sort of starting the renaissance of uh, of a certain um, <laughs> con artist idiocracy. Career. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh my god, I can't believe that The Apprentice. That's foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing everything. And really, you're fired, America. That's what put him uh, in the mainstream for all of middle America to watch. I mean, he was already obviously a pretty polarizing figure in general. I mean, people, mostly in New York, but on a national level. Yeah, but this put him in. This made him fucking likable, even though he's. Yeah. Yeah, it put him in everybody's living room. I mean, they're all. Everybody's on the couch watching, and they love, and, and you love. I think Americans love watching someone fire idiots. And so he became that that sort of um angel of vengeance <laughs> that they could uh put their own like feelings and emotions and imagination into like man, I wish I could just wake up one day and fire someone. So it's like uh it's like when you listen to music and you hear somebody brag about their money yeah. and you're like man, like I'm now I'm in the fantasy. Like, he, he became the avatar for that power. Yeah. Uh, he whose name shall not be spoken yeah. at this moment. No no need. Oh, I wanted to bring this up, man. Yep. White Chicks came out this year. Uh, yeah, the, the Wayans Brothers film? Yes. Uh-huh. The first movie to uh, parody white women from a black perspective. Was, yeah? Yeah. Revolutionary. That Changed won a, the game. Won a bunch of Razzies. Yeah, you know what? And I think it's it's a classic May have launched Terry Crews' career. At some point, we may need to review it. I would actually love to, because I've never seen that movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it, it was groundbreaking, and I think that it became a punchline yeah. for a lot of people. But it's but just the concept in and of itself deserves five stars. I mean, their voices were funny, and their makeup was creepy. Dude, I, the Wayne brothers are fantastic. I grew up with those guys. They look like Izzy Azalea. Like, we're not friends or anything. It's not like we played pickup basketball. Whatever. But I definitely uh, watched... I mean, Living Color launched yeah. my uh, my sketch comedy wokeness. <laughs> I mean, I, Saturday Night Live was there, but Saturday Night Live at that point was like so like upper crusty, theatrically white that I didn't really get it. I mean, uh, with the you know exception of Eddie, Eddie Murphy, but Living Color was like the funniest shit on TV for the longest time. Fire Marshal Bill, sure. Jim Carrey was great. Yeah. Damon and Keenan Avery Blaine's David Allen Greer. Homie great the Clown. Cast. Homie the Clown. Uh, men on film. Mm-hmm. All of them. Oh, I loved all of them. 
So too uh, many to name. Too many to name. Countless, countless, countless. Uh, we had uh, Oprah did her uh, famous "You Get a Car" episode, where everyone got charged seven thousand dollars in taxes for their car. That's the rub. So whenever you guys that watch, is the rub. It's the dry rub. <laughs> That's how they get you. You think you're going to win something, and then they tax you on it. So it's not really a gift. Now, let's say you're uh, you're a poor human being. Let's say you're making minimum wage. Let's say you're doing all right, but you have a lot of bills. And then Oprah says, hey, here you go. Have a Bentley. And you're like, man, yeah, that's exactly what I need. I need this car. It's going to help me and my family get around, go get groceries. Oh, snap. But you got to pay $7,000 in taxes. It's not really a gift. You're still paying for it. So all of these people had to give back their gifts. And this happens on a lot of game shows. All the time. I heard about that when I was younger, and I was like, that sucks. Yeah. What are you winning? Yeah, whenever you watch Wheel of Fortune or any show like that, uh, I used to watch all these shows with my grandma. And I'd think, oh, look at at this poor family. They just got a new refrigerator. Isn't that amazing? And she's like, they got to pay taxes on it. So... I mean, they don't keep the ta- any of it. The taxes on the, the the thing about it is the bigger the prize you win, the more taxes you're paying. So people would pay like you win a Toyota Tercel for no reason, even though they probably drove there and then having to come out of pocket for it. Right? Can you just be like, I don't want this? This car sucks. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, well, that would be amazing if they were like, actually, you have to take it. I would and... like the toaster oven mitts, please. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I just get the dry erase board to put on my refrigerator? I'll take that prize. Um, what what an interesting what an interesting year two thousand four was. Yeah. Uh, so gay people only in one state could get married at this point. Now is that Vermont, uh, New Hampshire? I, I think it was Massachusetts. Makes sense. You know, it's someplace in the in New England. Mm-hmm. Live and let live. So, but the land was... of antiquing. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it was it was a revolutionary at that time. People's minds were blown by the fact that gay people could get married. And now, uh, just a short, whatever, fourteen years later, uh, it's the law of the land. So things can change, everybody. Things can change. Um, well, speaking of antiquing, Gabe, tell me all about antiquing. Well, that's, I'm going to tell you nothing about antiquing, <laughs> but I'm going to try to use it in a segue. Um, <laughs> we we are covering 2004's Sideways. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yes, directed by Alexander Payne. All right, let's get into it, man. Sideways. 2004 Sideways. Yeah. What's your what was your experience with this movie? Um I I well, I saw it. I have, I have a personal personal story to tell, I guess. Yeah. Per- personal uh kinship to this movie. I saw it when it came out in theaters uh on a date um with a Woman who ended up becoming my girlfriend uh, of quite some time. Um, in retrospect, she, her and her family made a lot of fun of me for <laughs> selecting this movie. I had no idea because she's from that area. So I figured, well, she's from L.A., but family lived in Santa Barbara County. That's where the movie takes place in the wine country. So I thought it would be like a relatable su- like relatable subject matter to her. Yeah, you I were didn't like, know oh, that... this is where your, your folk yeah. are from. Let's, uh... yeah. let's talk. Let's, 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 hey, maybe we can do wine. I liked wine enough. We were drinking. We drank wine. We went on dates and shit. This is actually our first date. Um, what was your wines? You guys do like Beaujolais or uh, yeah, like, all that stuff, like Malbecs. Yeah, or like we pronounce them that way too, or like a Zinfandel blends, like we a drinking, seven man. deadly Zins. <laughs> You're pulling it right out of the fresh, the Whole Foods aisles, Gabe. <laughs> I'm a Trader Joe's boy. I'm in Trader Joe's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. same difference. I like to do those of. five dollar bottles. Um, who doesn't? Grape juice. Shouldn't be spending a lot of money on wine if you don't know wine. In general, yeah. So go on, go on. You got. You, um, you so we saw the film. Movie. They busted. They busted my chops for picking that movie. I, I didn't realize what it was going to be. The fact that it was a fucking stone cold bummer of a film. <laughs> um, but you know, at the end of the day, she was like, "Why did you pick that movie?" And I'm like, "I don't. I don't know." And I'm sorry. I hope things work out. They worked out for a while. It was good. Yeah. Um, and how did you feel about this? So honestly, it was kind of a success because you were able to. Um, this sealed the deal and got you guys in a, I was able in a long-term to leverage relationship. It into an adult relationship, yeah. Um, the movie itself, you know, Golden Globes, an Oscar for Best Screenplay, awesome, well-written movie, incredibly well-written movie. Uh, $16 million budget, grossed $71 million worldwide. Alexander Payne has gone on to do a lot of good things, did some good things before that. Yeah, so this was an undeniable success for him. Yeah, just in, for everyone involved, basically. Uh, launched Paul Giamatti's career, for the most part. Everyone... Got some nominations for Thomas Hayden Church and uh, Virginia Madsen, who was in one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Candyman. That is correct. Yeah. Um, so, okay. 
Well, uh, I love I love I love this movie. Okay, so uh, that glowing, was your question. a glowing endorsement. Sure. Yeah. How did you feel about it? Uh, I, I saw this movie with my my dad and my brother. Uh, surprisingly, a... in the in the movie theater. So this is actually That's... one that we've both seen, and uh, I'd only seen it once, uh, like right when it came out. I feel like seeing it with your dad and your brother is better than seeing it on a first date. Yeah, there like, was a lot. Of, there was like a lot of laughing and like looking at my dad and being like, "How how <laughs> how real is any of this?" You know, is this uh, because this this movie? I mean, I liked it a lot, and uh, going back to it now and watching it like as an adult, just the it's got so many great themes just around like what it means to be a guy, what it means to be a middle aged guy as a real um, adult, not like a twenty four year old kid. Yeah, like came you out. know, it, it's a it's a great movie about friendship and mm-hmm. like the lies that we tell uh, ourselves, struggling and, artists, and each other, and as creatives, yeah, yeah just like you know, are we gonna make it? Mm-hmm. What What's going to happen? And uh, it re- and and I also think it it really makes alcoholism look okay. And that that's uh, something that I, I heard recently from someone who about had a, this film a drinking problem, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this movie makes alcoholism look all right." See, I didn't get the, the tinge of alcoholism about this. I mean, like that's I know there's heavy drinking, but I feel like it's, it's I don't know. Right, it's right, not like right. le- like leaving Las Vegas. These guys are like casual uh, ar- artistic alcoholics. That's right. You don't see the consequences on their livers. They're just nerds. Yes, wine nerds. I mean, that's a yeah, wine, very so, different thing. And then and then this movie was my jump off into the world of wine. Yeah, as most well. people's. And uh, it, it uh, what I think is what I love about all of Ag- Alexander Payne's movies are their strong uh, like the relationship to the setting. That he has. Yeah. So, like, I've seen this, uh, and it just made me feel like I was actually there in uh, wine country in California. And the same goes for The Descendants, which uh, is a movie that takes place in Hawaii that he did, which yep. is phenomenal as well. So he's, like, really good at setting at settings and locations. And uh, that's – that. I, so, you know, if you like movies that kind of take place in an unconventional setting uh, or you're a fan of wine or you want to see uh, – you know, drama taking place between uh, good friends that are going through midlife crises. This is this with some is good, a great one. I good love it. funny moments in there too. Um, yeah. The interesting note about the Descendants. I mean, George Clooney lobbied to play uh, Thomas Hayden Church's role in this movie. Wow. Yeah. For like a while, he was really kind of pushing hard. Uh, and he, I think. <laughs> Alexander Payne was like, honestly, you're too big of a star to do it. He's like, I don't think it would fit the character well. He'd worked with Thomas Hayden Church before and liked him. And Hayden Church at that point had like a, I think a failed sitcom and was like doing some voiceover work, and which is exactly what his character in this film was doing. So it added this authenticity to the role, and uh, it was it was the right choice. And I think all of them would probably agree that yeah, the Church did, the, the, did a great job. I mean, he was awesome in the movie, but it was just like kind of him. So yeah, Alexander Payne was like, I've worked with him. I like the guy. He's like, this is actually him. Let's it, see what happens. It would have been totally different with Clooney because Clooney, different. if you if you look at uh, Clooney's work, maybe in like a Dusk Till Dawn, you, you see that he is, or anything uh, out of sight, he's like a much more commanding uh, personality than Thomas Hayden Church is. Is uh, who was great in this, and he used he was on the sitcom Wings where he plays like kind of the slow witted. Was he on Wings? I didn't yeah. know that. He was on Ned and Stacy too. At one yeah. point. And, and in that, I mean, he's more like the Kramer character. Or right. Like, the, like, he's a zanier outsider. Right. Rather than, or a comedic actor, where Clooney's not. No, not at Well, com- I mean, Clooney's funny enough, but he's not, uh, he's not ha-ha funny. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I just imagine, because um, in this movie, a lot of it is uh, Thomas Hayden Church convincing uh, his character, Jack, convincing yeah. Paul Giamatti whose character is Miles, to, uh, he's pushing him around. Right. But it's like very, uh, very funny in a way where it, I feel like if uh, George Clooney was playing Jack, it would have been more of a hostage situation. It would have been a little more dramatic. As opposed to like Thomas Hayden Church's lines were all delivered with like frank and very direct nature, and that's what made them funny. Yeah. It wasn't like no maliciousness behind, like, you know, no malice behind it. No menace. No menace. No menace. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church does not... Have any menace in his That's character? That's what I was in this. going for. Thank you. And uh, so, I mean, a very brief uh, plot synopsis to get us get everybody on the same page uh, is that um, Thomas Aiden Church plays a character named Jack, and Paul Giamatti is his best friend Miles. And Jack is going to get married uh, next week, 
and before he gets married, he decides that he wants to go on a bachelor vacation. It's a week-long bachelor vacation to wine country, and uh, Paul Giamatti's character Miles is taking him to wine country, where uh, under the um, the, the uh, op premise that they're going to be uh, playing golf and just broing it up. The guys. The guys. It's just going to be a two-guy uh, weekend week in wine country. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how fun is that? And uh, they uh, I've done oh, it before. Yeah, less fun. It's uh, it's so there. There's a couple things about that that are interesting. Um, but the but the 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 real tension comes from the fact that these are both men in their midlife who uh, are not doing well. Their careers have stalled out, and uh, Miles is heartbroken because his wife left him two years before, and he hasn't gotten over it. And Jack is about to get married into an Armenian real estate mogul's family. So he is gonna he's gonna start uh at least become part of a successful tribe, even though his voiceover and acting career has stalled out. So he might he might make it, but it's you know, kinda compromising. So it's the twilight of his artistic career. And uh and he wants to have a week he's a sex addict and Miles is an alcoholic. So a sex addict and an alcoholic are going to wine country for a week and they meet two lovely women and uh we see how how things unfold that's basically it it's not a very complicated story but there's uh, wonderful scenes and uh, great dialogue and a lot of dramatic and comedic moments and tension just great character work it is it's a film to see if you just want to see actors like go all out uh exploring these interesting characters all right. So, uh, acting wise, <laughs> what uh, I loved um, Thomas Hayden, Hayden Church. Church. Yeah, yeah. This was. I think this is his finest performance to date. I mean, for me, yeah, it's his, his most memorable. I don't, I don't. I didn't watch much of the other stuff, but he's obviously really well cast. He beat out. He beat out a uh, Hollywood legend. <laughs> And uh, he's uh, – I love uh, that Jack, Jack is um, – he reminds me of actors. He has the same quality that, uh, that that both failed and successful actors need, which is optimism. He's, and just like complete like weird false self-confidence. Yes. He is an avatar for just uh, blind confidence. Yeah. And it's fantastic to watch this character play that because he's – He's kind of an ignorant buffoon, but he comes off as so uh, sure of himself that yeah. you you want to like him and you want things to work out. And like generally not a bad guy, you know. You you kind of pull for him. And it's and he's a good hang. <laughs> the, these good, are all he's a good bro hang. <laughs> these are all the qualities necessary to have a good time with someone. It's just like it's positivity. Uh, yeah, and he's a perfect uh, antihero to to Miles. Yeah, he's a great foil to Miles' personality. Foil. And he, um, it's, uh, so he's a sex addict. He loves, uh, waitresses. That's, that's kind of his, his weakness. Every time they go out to eat, he's going to hit on the waitress like a creepy dad. Yeah, dad joke style. Yeah. 100%. But, but, uh, but I guess the idea is that if, if you're, um, yeah, uh, Wayne Gretzky, right? It, you miss, uh, 100% of the shots you don't take. That's right. So he's just out there. <laughs> Just, just, just <laughs> slap shots, slap shots left and right at the Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> and uh, it's it's so specific and so LA that uh, he is dating an Armenian woman who's going to be his fiance. True. She is Armenian, isn't the, she? This is a really smart movie because they layer in uh, very specific details. Yeah, uh, that um, that I think ground the movie in in a in a in a world that's believable. So Jack, and we meet the Armenian family that Jack is going to join. And I, on it, can you? I can't imagine him actually living out the rest of his days in that uh, Kardashian house. Oh, I can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would be out there banging, uh, you know, Spago waitresses or whatever it is that he's going to be doing <laughs> for the next several years. But yeah, he could definitely. Get the, he like actors. He, he craves stability. I would imagine, um, and that's pretty stable. He uh, a white ethnic family. They like you know they're big on tight knit units. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I like I like this guy. Um, I wonder if he 
why is it that he's only he's only uh has one male friend yeah and barely they're barely i mean they're friends because they've known each other for so long that they have no choice but like if they were you know the age-old question is if you met some of your oldest friends today would you guys still be friends yeah yeah who knows yeah, they so and, and the friend that we were mentioning right now is Paul Giamatti's character Miles, and Miles and uh, Jack know each other because they were roommates uh, freshman year of college. Yeah, dude, I'm not friends with my freshman year of college roommate. I couldn't wait to get out of the room that we shared. I feel like, I'll, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't think a lot of people are, and if yeah. they are, it's kind of by, by weird force, and I don't think they're that close. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So Miles, uh, Miles is the polar opposite, and we, and he's who we meet uh, at the beginning of the film. Miles is a writer, struggling. He, writer. He, the first thing we see is that he's got to wake up in the morning to move his car, right? Which is like you know, living in New York. That's that's like the biggest issue I have with even imagining getting a car. Is yeah. the idea of waking up every day to move it. It's ridiculous. It's annoying to watch. I've had, I've had to do it before. Yeah. Um, and I've watched people do it. It's, it's the worst. Because it's never at a good point in time. And everyone, excuse me, everyone else is doing it at that time. I mean, you know, when you when you get a dog, it's like, yeah, you got to wake up, you got to walk it. But at least the dog loves you. And, you know, provides companionship. Yeah, this car is just out there in the cold being like, change my oil. Yeah, sit in me, I'm fucking freezing. <laughs> Yeah, move me. So uh, Miles has to move his car. That sucks. His house is a mess. His blinds are drawn. He, uh, he burns some food in his microwave. He he basically doesn't know how to take care of himself. Yeah. And he's showing up late. Uh, he He's late to go and pick up Jack. That's the first thing we see. And he seems like, a, okay, so uh, the, immediately we get uh, some great acting to show you what type of a guy he is. He goes to, he, he lies on the phone. Says he's on his way, hungover. Re- reading, reading, yeah. Then he uh, he stops at the coffee shop, and he orders a coffee and a croissant. Oh, and I hate the way he says it, yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Dude, Nick Vatterot uh, is a very funny comedian in New York, and he's got this great bit about um, using the uh, ethnic um, pronunciation, mm-hmm. the indigenous pronunciation of a... Of if you're a, not the... The, yeah. the people. So it, you're right, right. So it's like, hey, let's go out and get some margaritas. Yeah, because I, I feel though, like whenever a, a person of Latin descent has to say a Latin word, it comes out like fucking charro. Like <laughs> it's, it's like the most exaggerated pronunciation of that yeah. word. You just say you say <gasps> croissant, man. So we all know. We what all know. Really? You don't have to say croissant. No, it's the worst. I, that that, yeah. that that gave me. Uh, After we finish this, uh, we're gonna eat some guacamole. Yeah, gave me some pause yeah. when he says that. It, it always <laughs> bothered me, and I hadn't seen it in years, and I was like, that bothers me again. Here's a quick little side note. I want I want some oh, feedback please. on this. Oh, please, give it to me. Give it to me. Very st- stupid question, but it popped into my head, so I wrote it down. Uh, what's a better excuse for tardiness? L.A. traffic or the, or, or the or the New York City subway? You know what? The uh, I want to hear your guys thoughts too we we need to hear everybody talk about this but i'm on a new kick right now where um i i I learned this just just own it if you're late to stuff just say look you know why i'm late i left i left too late man i was puttering around the apartment i messed up i'm sorry i wasted your time and it will liberate you because every one of those little lies you tell every day is gonna they all build up and it it's like it it uh it's like plaque in your arteries so stop lying about being late. Don't tell people. Because then when it really is the subway, <laughs> then uh, then it counts. Because you can't be like, oh, it's the subway every day. Even though it is. The subways are awful here. Yeah, moral of the story, don't, just don't be late. Just don't be late. Look, you know what? Sonny Barger, the uh, uh, first uh, chapter president of the San Bernardino chapter of the Hells Angels, he said, five minutes early is on time. <laughs> so... Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's right. I'm going to quote a Hell's Angel president. That was that was great. I had no idea who the fuck you were talking about. Yeah, well, I brought it back. You know, San Bernardino. That's that's a, California, so it's, uh, it's relevant to this. Yeah, ish. sure. It's there's motorcycle fur- riding in this it's movie. A little further north, <clears throat> right? Uh, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so be just be on time. Uh, he's late. He uh, he's driving in his car. And he's doing the crossword puzzle while he's driving. Ken, what do you? How did you feel watching that? I didn't even think twice about that. I've watched that guy in this film hit rock bottom so hard three different times, 
he's done uh, to give a little more background on Miles. He's you, you kind of want to like him, but he does so many unlike. He's just he's a he's a negative. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I've you know, I've, I've I've been plenty negative at certain points. But... Is it worse to do a crossword puzzle while driving on the highway, or text while you're on the highway? I think it's worse to text. Yeah, because who gives a shit? It can't be that important. Yeah, crossword puzzle. You just look like you're a pretentious asshole, and you probably deserve to get hit by a car. Right. Yeah. Right. If your that... if your car wraps around a tree, yeah, and the uh, cops and EMTs find a uh, almost finished Will Shorts. With a pen- New York with Times a, crossword puzzle with a pencil stuck in your neck. <laughs> yeah, you'll get yeah. laughed at. Death, um, death by crossword. Text is just like, oh, you seventeen-year-old girl, like that sucks. You were texting your friend about some dude, and you, and you, uh, yeah, you, you hurt people. So, but it, they paint a really good picture of him right off the bat. So I mean, he's in pretentious. General. He's a he, he's he's into words, and he's kind of a mess. And he wakes up late, and his life is in shambles. More on the rock bottom for Miles. Three little steps that I saw. One, steals money from his mom's socked underwear drawer. Yeah, just ask your mom for money. Is that a, is that a, is that a Hell's Angels <laughs> thing? Look. Terrible. <laughs> Look, the Hell's Angels, this is, uh, this is uno- unofficial yeah. rule 47. Yeah. Just ask your mom for money. Right. That's it. You know? Yeah, that's what Chuck, Chucky, Chucky Corsica from the Alameda Golf Center uh, wrote down on the 8th tee. Yeah, if you don't have a mom, ask your godmother for money. Um, he also at one point, I mean, if that's not rock bottom enough as a 40-year-old man to steal money out of your mom's underwear drawer, um, a good amount of money, too. Trip yeah. money. Yeah, he was like, like a thousand bucks. I'm going to pe- peel off a thousand of these cabbage he leaves. peeled them off. <laughs> he also uh, orders a barely legal at a, at a gas station. Yeah. And then has the guy, corrects the guy, he's like, no, 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 the, the new one, which means he's gone through Yo, pa- paperback pornography. Shout outs to everybody there that, that knows that's got issue numbers. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> for... not, the, not that, the new one, please. <laughs> yeah, the latest one? Yeah. Right. I mean, that was bad. Not August, September. Come on, give it to me. He also drinks out of a spit bucket at the winery. Yeah. What's the lowest point of the three? I gotta say, stealing from your mom's purse. I mean, that's that's yeah. If you're gonna look into this Old Testament retribution that you would get for that, you know, like maybe it's one it's one rule in Deuteronomy is like you know it's it's like not a mortal sin, but it's kind of like a venial sin to, to sip out of the spit bucket because it's just gross. It's impolite. I feel like stealing you from your mother. Ooh. Oh, you're burning. I think you should swap that out with covet thy neighbor's wife stealing <laughs> from thy mother's purse should be in there instead yes yeah don't steal from your mom um he uh he is just kind of, he's a terrible guy he's really not likable but and the we, more i think about it the less likable he becomes any <laughs> any, any of them are except yeah. for the, the single mom and virginia madsen's uh angelic character in this film well so we can move on to to the uh to virginia madsen let's talk about her for a second she's a waitress in this movie yep at the and, Hitching Post. And which is Miles' is one of his favorite restaurants in yeah. the area. He likes uh, to go there and drink. What, what were you going to say about it? I, we actually went there, me and the girl that uh, I took this movie, took, took, to see, took to see this movie with. You were like, first we're going to watch this movie, and then I'm going to Giamatti you. <laughs> well, this is a year, like, you know, several, like a, several months later, we actually ended up staying with her family in California. Her mom lives in Santa Barbara, so we went up uh, a little bit north and uh, drank Highliner and ate at the Hitching Post. Did you? It's kind of a jokey homage to our first date. Yeah, how was the food at the Hitching Post? It was actually really good, man. They have, like, a split-level grill, and the meats are delicious. I don't even know what split-level grill means. Oh, I'll just send you a picture of it. It looks, it's like a, it's like a huge fire pit, basically, with three levels yeah. Grill so they can grill the meats at different temperatures and move them around. Very important to be able to Fucking do that. Outstanding. Food. Yeah, I like that. Like a like a yeah. terraced. Uh, yes. Terraced beef heating. Like a, there's like a mezzanine. Yeah. Lamb. A lamb mezzanine. Uh huh. Uh huh. A mezzanine. Oh, I want to get a mechanical one of those so that it's almost like an elevator. That's called a rotisserie, Gabe. What? Kind of. All right. Um, yeah. So she works there. She works there. She's What's a server. Do you, I can't find her name, I, but I kind of want to say Maya. It. Maya. Yeah. I love that name. Great name. Great name. Mm-hmm. So uh, Virginia Madsen plays Maya, and she is she's having they're having good uh, banter. These two. Yeah, they get along. Paul Giamatti and um, Maya yeah, and Miles. They, yeah, 
know. But but every waitress, you never know. Waitresses are like they're like strippers, and everyone who has to work in the service industry, you know, they're they're polite because you tip them. You know, same thing with bartenders. So who knows if uh, he, he's taking a gamble? He's taking a gamble, thinking that that she wants to hang out. Right. You know, I mean that's a fair. Yeah, we don't know. We, I, I guess I was skeptical as to whether or not she really was interested in him at first because, you know, he's he's a he's a drunk. He comes in there, he drinks whole bottles by himself. He just talks about wine. He's pleasant, but not really. Uh, yeah, doesn't have a good energy. You want to keep the regulars around, exactly. Sure. So he probably tips well. He looks like a guy that tips well. Dude, Miles. If my if this was an animated movie, Miles would be Eeyore. He he just has a dark storm cloud above his head, and he's constantly shutting down uh, any fun that could be had. He's a less likable Eeyore. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. This is funny, because as we're talking about it, and I've seen this movie, obviously, a few times, I, I really dislike his character. It's the croissant thing. That really bugged me. The croissant. To bring it up again. He's very – look, uh, everything we're saying is he's, this is still an amazing film and he is so funny in this. Oh, he's Especially awesome. playing off of other people. There's a lot of cringe comedy here. Um, some of it reminded me of like uh, John Favreau's character in Swingers. Yeah. You know, I could – like it, this is better. I this could see that. much better than Swingers. But the dynamic between Vince Vaughn and John Favreau in that film – there's something to that. There's these like comedic opposites where you've got one really confident guy and one really sad guy that's going through a breakup and just can't find any way to to enjoy his life. Right. And so Miles is uh, – so on this trip, Jack just wants to go have fun and Miles is just uh, – I don't know. Well, he wants to go get laid. Yes. He wants one last sexual romp, which he doesn't sort of clue Miles into because Miles doesn't care. Right. About any of that stuff. He wants to go drink wine because he's a huge wine geek. And Maya, Maya is interested in hanging out with them. Uh, she gets off work. She's having a cigarette. She's having a drink at the bar. And she goes, what are you guys getting into tonight? And and Jack is just like waiting for Miles to make the move. And Miles is like, I think we're going to call in an early night and go back to our strip motel. They're staying at the windmill, which is some – it just looks like a single occupancy. It's some – whatever. It's a normal motel. But – uh not glamorous at all for for a week long bachelor vacation. Yeah, that's crazy to spend that much time in a place like that for a week. <laughs> right? That's they're staying in the type of motel that you stay in when you're on a road trip and you just need to pull over and at, sleep. Yeah, at two a.m. Bingo. That's you know? exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> How gro- like those bed? The, there's got to be bed bugs. You know, uh, the room smells like mildew. I found a better place in Nebraska at three o'clock in the morning to sleep. Yeah, Let's put it that way. You stay in an Airbnb. You stay in a bed and breakfast. You, you stay know? anywhere. You stay anywhere else. So it's it's kind of trashy where they're at. So let's talk about this uh, sort of ruse that Thomas Hayden Church's character uh, pulls on. Well, so then we've got we introduce the next great character in this movie, which is Sandra O. Oh. Right, and Sandra O oh is playing. Uh, Stephanie. Stephanie, man. And this is the first time I'd seen Sandra Oh. Was it really? In a movie. She, she yeah. was an artist. Well, you know, I've got some cultural blind spots. By the way, yeah, but they don't involve wings for some reason. I'll, I'll, I watch Wings. I watch Frasier. I've seen Cheers. Sandra Oh was actually, since we, we, re- we just released uh, Bull Durham not too far back. Yeah. Arliss, Robert Wall. I remember him. Sandra Oh was also an artist. She played a secretary. How about a that? sex-crazed secretary. Well, she is she is uh she's a sexy minx in this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's sex crazed, but she's she's happy to have it. So she aren't we all, Gabe? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Hey, she is uh Stephanie is a fun character, and she knows a lot about wine too. She works at a vineyard. She uh, when um our boys Miles and Jack go wine tasting, they end up spending some time with her. She's behind at the counter serving them. And uh, listening to them be incredibly pretentious about the mouthfeel of uh, wines. And uh, they bring up, oh, Jack brings up that they had met Maya the night before. And yeah, lo and behold, everybody in wine country knows each other, you know, because it's a small community. So they set up a double date and they go out drinking together. And this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. 
is when the four of them are all together for the first time. Yep. Uh, because before they go in to the restaurant, Jack tells Miles, don't do the dark thing. Don't get dark. Which yeah. is uh, Miles' favorite thing in the world to do is to drink too much. And, well, I don't know if it's his favorite, but you you know when you, you you have one drink too many and you just go into this sort of uh, dark, dark place? I can't really um, relate to that. <clears throat> you never become a maudlin drunk? Uh, maybe it's happened once or twice, but I'm always just generally a... I think people that drink out of sadness tend to go that route. Yeah. I don't know, but there's some dark drunks, I guess. But he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a holy drunk. I think it's kind of, you know, for some people, dude. it's uh, it, it feels as though it's a spin at the crap, at the at the wheel. Of what's going to happen, what, yeah, what, what uh, personality comes out. Sure, sure. There's, mul- <laughs> there's multiple sl- uh, slumbering personalities, and... Uh, and it just it could happen that you awaken the beast. This is true. That, he also tells him that he's not going to drink any fucking Merlot because he hates Merlot. Very funny. Very when good he says line. That. And uh, Miles is Miles has got a, a predisposition to be sad because uh, right before they go out to eat, um, Miles finds out that his ex-wife it has remarried, and his ex-wife and her husband are going to be at Jack's wedding. Right. So this, I mean, this was a bombshell that was dropped on Miles. He didn't know that this was happening with his ex-wife. He hasn't gotten over her, but she has clearly moved on. And uh, and then also, when your fucking best friend knows about it before you do, sucks. That's gotta be that sucks. They're all, it, you know, it's like, what are you all in a private Facebook group? And I'm not part of it. I, mean, I feel like that might not be that uncommon. So yeah, he's, he's got that 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 bit of news before. Before their dinner, he wants to go out and show a good face because I think he he likes Maya and he kind of wants to help his buddy out because he likes Stephanie. He wants to be a good wingman, but he's going to go into the dark dark place. And you know, at one point, this this whole scene was improv, by the way. Yeah, uh, they 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 didn't really drink wine. Uh, apparently, only ninety five percent juices. Okay, in general, for the entire film. Oh, that's that's point of contention there because Th- Thomas Hayden Church says they weren't drinking, and Paul Giamatti was like, well, "We filmed three or four of those scenes. I was very drunk." <laughs> um, and wine is a dark drunk, so that didn't help him. At one point, you know, Jack's trying to stop him from drinking because he knows where he's he's funneling. Yeah, this is a this scene is hilarious. Good I love one. the tension because you know I, w- I want everybody to succeed. I'm like, oh, Paul, Miles, don't don't get drunk. But then I'm also thinking. You know, Jack, like, yeah, 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 man, I want I want to see you uh, charm and dazzle these ladies. And then I'm also thinking, okay, Maya, I want you, you know, you, you like, came out here. You're, you're wasting your time with these guys. Like, you know, I hope I hope, uh, I hope everything works out for them. I want everything to work out for everybody, but I can see how it's all spinning out of control. Would not be a good movie if it did. <laughs> if, it, if it did work out for everybody. Um, so... Jack leverages the situation into a in, into a hangout back at Stephanie's place. Um, so they obviously hit it off. Uh, Virginia Madsen's character, Maya and uh, Miles, get along on a personal level, but there's no uh, physical attraction there. Both well, they're both coming out of divorces. That's right. That's right. So you know, and that's that's cool because. Well, if you're with somebody, you're divorced. Someone else is divorced. It's like, yeah, you've already seen how how things can go south. Maybe um, maybe you won't make the same mistakes again. Maybe you don't have so many expectations on it because it's not the first time anymore. So uh, so I'm I'm rooting for both of them, but uh, our boy Miles is just in like he's just in the wrong headspace. You know, he's not in the game. He's preoccupied. He's too drunk. He's got a book deal that he thinks is coming, and he's got a lot in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's another thing. So, yeah, that's hanging over his head the entire film, is that uh, he wants this book that he's been working on forever to get published. And he's got to wait for his agent to get back to him. And this is, uh, while they're at Stephanie's house, this is one of my second favorite scenes in the film, which is the the Pino speech. So Miles and uh, Maya are outside talking about why they like different wines. And uh, Miles is really into Pinots. This actual this this movie spiked Pinot Noir numbers by forty percent, I think, 
globally, well, especially in England and in America, and Merlot sales went down 20% after this movie. Yeah. Giamatti is an influencer. An influencer. Yeah, he's like, no Merlots, but oh, Pinot. I like a Pinot because it's made from a very delicate grape with a thin skin. It's got a really thin skin. It, it, it's it, uh, temperamental, he calls it. It's It's got to it's gotta grow in just, just the right type of soil, and mm-hmm. it can't stand a, a too much heat. Are too much cold, and uh, but you know what the thing is? It's like yeah, it's really easy to ruin it, but uh, if you if you treat it right, uh, you're gonna get a really wonderful flavor. So he's really just talking about himself there, and uh, I like the idea. You had of... a bad Giamatti impression once I figured out what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not bad, not bad. Um, he's, uh, yeah. Let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, and then uh, I love her speech right afterwards. Virginia Madsen, Maya's character, she's, she's a bottle of life has a, a bottle of wine has a life of its own. Well, it's actually a, a continuously evolving thing. Like, it grows. Yeah. And so, ages. So you want to you wanna open it right, right as it's peaking. Mm-hmm. You don't want to wait, because after it peaks, uh, you just get vinegar. It's true. Baby. You can cook with it. Yeah, spend four hundred dollars to cook. cook make some, make a four hundred dollar bottle of Cocoa Vaughn chicken. Um, so they get along on a, on a good personal level. They're actually building what could be like a, a functional relationship, whereas Jack and 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 Stephanie are building one based on just a solid lie. Stephanie, by the way, is a single mom as well. That's right. So here's where the problems ensue. So we should probably get into that a little bit. Yeah, so Jack is just uh, accelerating intimacy very quickly. He just wants to get his bones smooched on his, uh, which is his his term, not mine. I would never say that ever. I didn't even like saying it then. But and he's he's just willing as an actor. He's just willing to. Um, he seems uh, he's wearing his emotions out. You know, he's very transparent with his emotions, but what he is, in fact, is a huge liar. He's playing a role. Right. He's lying. He's yeah. lying the whole time uh, that he seems, you know, so open and spontaneous and charismatic. And he's he is uh, tricking Stephanie. She has no idea that he is engaged and that he's going to be married a week later. Um, this one-night fling turns into uh, Jack basically abandoning Miles for the rest of the week to spend time with Stephanie's uh, entire family, his grand, uh, Stephanie's mom, Stephanie's child. And we also see that Stephanie's uh, mom is just kind of a, a chain smoker with a bad attitude. Stephanie smokes too. And have you ever, there's this, I think there's this glow that you get at the beginning of, a, of any relationship that's like the, the honeymoon phase. You know, where you, you don't really see your partner's flaws. No. And uh, Jack's addiction is to that honeymoon phase. Because I can already see the cracks in what would happen if Jack stayed. Right. You know, it's like, oh, you're living with, um, you know, Stephanie is a, a single mom who drinks, who comes from kind of a a, ba- a bad family situation. Yeah. So she'll become her mother eventually. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's a Miles dark observation. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and it, and it's a and on a class scale, it's a, a complete downgrade from the Armenian real estate empire that he could be joining in L.A. Yeah, but I just I feel like people wouldn't make that move. But he gets he gets caught up in the in the sex and the fun of it. He yeah, he gets caught up in the in the in the feelings, the ribaldry. Yes, he is a EPJ. <laughs> beloved beloved term yeah mm, what a, a ribaldrous weekend they're having uh and um so what happens uh what happens next um they're getting along i think uh my and jack end up uh, my uh, sorry my and miles end up sleeping together shortly after they have a good night um they're yeah. getting along really well, continue, you know, and so so are the other two, but you know, but but so and and we're looking at two different ways to start a relationship Correct. as well, right? Yeah. So like the really fast, uh, all about the feelings, all about the sort of delusions. Like this film, again, a huge uh, theme in this movie is delusions and lying and deception, and every character is lying to themselves, 
and at least the two men are Miles and Jack. And then the, and at the same time, they are lying to their women and they're lying to each other. And uh, Miles, though, is he, his game is slow, so he and Maya are courting tentatively. Yeah, they're both uh, broken emotionally a little bit little, little, little bit damaged yeah so and they're then, slow playing kind yeah. of slow playing i mean they had sex they drink wine it's not a big deal i like I, well right i mean uh, we've got we've still it's still pretty fast because everything happens over the course of a week but maya uh what i like about her you know she's uh she's a waitress now and she's going out to get a degree in horticulture from a local college yeah so she's still trying to um better her life which uh which is always a plus. You want to find people that are, that are that are hustling. Well, these are the two intellects, Miles and Maya. That's why they get along. So what happens next is they have a nice little picnic in the woods. Yeah. Um, and With some chevre. Here's the chevre. Some pear, here's, maybe some pears, sliced pears. Oh, why, why would it? I don't, there would have to be pears, Gabe. Mm, some fig jam mm-hmm. and a baguette. <laughs> yeah. In the French cu- countryside. Uh Lovingly uh, played by the Santa Barbara Midlands. Um, so here's where, here's here's where here's where it all sort of uh, comes comes crashing down. Oh, They're having a nice little picnic. Is going to end? Tell me about it. Yeah, for everyone, for the <laughs> film itself, um, because we're getting sort of towards the uh, the climax here. Uh, well, this is I think the most pivotal scene so far in the film. Uh, they're having Maya and. and and Miles are having a nice little uh, picnic lunch, drinking some wine and, and reading. She wants to go see this exhibit or whatever. I don't honestly don't remember exactly what it was. Um, and it's an, and it's a week from that Saturday. She's like, "Oh, we can go do this if you want." She's like, and, and Miles unwittingly, it's like, "I can't." He's like, "I have a, I have the wedding on Saturday," and she's like, "The wedding." And this is where it all falls apart. What a dummy! What a, I mean. Yeah, yeah, completely innocently, but just doesn't even think about it until he says it out loud, and then it's a, the grass a great cutscene because his eyes sort of open wide when she's like, "What wedding?" And then it cuts to her, him following her. She's kind of running back to his car, yelling like, "How could you not tell me? You've been lying the whole time." Yes, and so this kind of tells her that Jack is getting married. This is a really great um, rom com trope. Yep, that has been. I feel like subtly dropped into this movie because there. This is not a rom com, right? It's not a rom com, but there is that that moment in every rom com where the the leads are falling in love, and then the one of them discovers that the other one uh, deceived them. So the whole relationship feels like it was under false premises. I, mean, I feel like that's a life trope. Everything's <laughs> going well until somebody deceives the other person. And then and then they think, wait, so everything up until this point has been a lie. You know, we we make that sort of cognitive slip into this into one little lie uh must mean that the entire um the entire uh structure has been compromised. Right. The foundation, which, the trust. Yeah. Right, which which isn't necessarily the case and, and this is where I am I'm still I'm rooting for uh you know, I think as the viewer myself, I'm rooting for um, Miles. I'm like, yeah. I mean, but it wasn't his lie; it was his friend's lie. You know, he's been he's been honest with Maya the whole time about himself. Yes. Well, trying to like you know, not even I mean, downplay or not even downplay. I don't even know what the, what, what the term for this is. Minimize. Minimize or just sweep his friend's bullshit under the rug. Yes. Keep it covered up. Um, yes. Sucks for him. His bro, he's, the bro code. He's maybe. in a shitty position. Yeah. Um, and who put him there? Who put him there? Jack. Jack did. Jack. So. Um, so, and Jack continues to put him in shitty positions, which is hilarious. Right. Um, to see. Sandra, Sandra O finds out, absolutely loses her shit, wails on Jack with a, a motorcycle helmet, breaks his nose. Yeah, his face is all sorts of messed up so for the rest of this movie. So he's on Viking, and yeah, he looks like a... He looks like Jack Nicholson in uh, in Chinatown. <laughs> That's actually perfect, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, he's got a beak for the rest of the movie. He's on Viking, and blah, blah, blah. They go to, out to a, a, a local restaurant. They're both kind of miserable now, because Maya and, uh, and, and Stephanie are no longer in their lives. Yeah, they both... Because think- of the lies. 
They've lost their ladies. All they can do now is play golf and uh, eat ribs. Which, which they're doing very little of either at this point, but they're eating ribs. Uh, and Jack finds another waitress. He just And she is a definite downgrade from uh, Stephanie. Why would you say that? Look, man. <laughs> you know, uh, because Stephanie is intelligent. She rides a motorcycle. Mm. She, is, uh, she knows a lot about wine. So all of these things, and I mean, they they met her in the context of things that they're very interested in. Now they're at sort of like a, just like a... Just a middle American feed bag. Yeah, they're at like Outback Steakhouse, man. That's yeah. what, that's, yeah, so he's like, now he's hitting on this waitress yeah. who is vibing with him because she recognizes him from a soap opera he was on 10 years ago. Right. So that, again, it's like, well, where does she know him from? Because she's watching daytime soaps. Yeah. So, and who am I to be a judgy classist about that? I'm Gabe Pacheco. Look, if you're watching daytime soaps and you're recognizing the celebrities from that, we're probably not going to, who knows? I don't think we're going to be hanging out. Yeah, probably not. That's all. Um, so that's like things that my grandma watched. So this is where Miles exposes his, or, uh, sorry, Jack exposes his flaw, his his soul-crippling flaw, which is he can't not have sex with waitresses, which is the stupidest, the, the sex, sex addiction, I guess. Which isn't even said in words, but I guess it's implied. But he says, look, I need this. He goes to bang this uh, this woman um, who uh, turns out to be married. Yeah. Leads to one of the best scenes in the film. Uh, my, he's like, I, this is my plight. He's telling Miles that this is my, this is why I have to do this. I can't not do this. And Miles is like, you're fucking ridiculous miles like can we just go back to the hotel and have a glass of wine and just talk i didn't even know that that sex addiction was a thing it's bull until the last like five years yeah and then you know i've been meeting more people who mm-hmm. you know recovery and therapy are, are just much more i think out there in pop culture but the idea of sex addiction i, I couldn't even wrap my head around it yeah. as a topic that that we would could talk about legitimately so when I first saw this, I didn't know. And right. now, watching it through this lens, this new recovery lens, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. So it's like gambling. you know, It's like alcoholism. It's like drug use. Right. It's, this is a compulsive behavior that uh, our boy Jack has. And self-destructive. Super self-destructive. So, He's constantly putting his life on the line. So they part ways. Jack goes to bang the uh, waitress. Uh, Miles, Miles goes back home. Right. Oh, is he goes to the hitching post, but gets hammered, and Maya's not there. Is that what? It, I yeah. I don't. I'm not something. Let's just. The uh, chronology is uh, yeah. is a little blurry right now. Very it's similar like we've scenes. had a couple. We're sitting in here with two Beaujolais. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, Mike Miles wakes up uh, several hours later to a, a just pounding on the door. It's Jack. He's naked, freezing. He had to run out of the woman's house because the husband came home. He has also left his clothes. And his wallet with his two the two engagement and wedding rings in them. No, the two wedding rings in them. Yeah, dude, they're one of a kind. These Which, wedding rings. What am I gonna do, Miles? What am I gonna do? I need to get those rings back. You need to help me. Now this leads to them having to go back. Miles is actually showing some good wingman tendencies here, just being a good friend, uh, which is the only redeemable quality of his character. Who he, by the way, didn't get the book deal, so he's in a shitty, shitty place. Um, they go back, do a little B and E. Sexual, sexual B and E, sexual recovery, reconnaissance B and E to get the uh, stuff back. It's like the crack of dawn. Cuckold B and E because the man is now banging his wife, and, calling her a slut for picking the guy up. And this is actually this is a pretty tense scene because first Miles goes to the front Real door. Real rough on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he decides not to go in the front door. He goes to the back door. So now he's like creeping around the house, and uh, the, you know. That's the uh, reference to the backdoor man. Everybody, and and you know, uh, you you step onto a man's property, you try to break in. The stakes are high. You could easily get shot. You can, you can get, legally get murked. Yeah, yeah. Just like, hey, you're on my property. It's a wrap. And you do whatever he, you want. He slides in the back door, and then he crawls along the ground, and he finds uh, the couple making love because this is actually their fetish. Is a cuckold, cuckold fetish. Uh, where the guy, the husband, was turned on by seeing Jack having sex with his wife. Right. So now they're making love in the bedroom. Lights on. Uh, the two-backed beast 
as Shakespeare would have called it. The Beast with Two Backs. That's right, something like that. Yep. And Paul Giamatti pulls his uh, Mission Impossible moment and uh, steals back the wallet, then runs out of the house. It's it's a harrowing scene. So, uh, yeah, he's a great friend. Yep. He gets the wallet back, and then they decide it's time to drive back to Los Angeles. Gets the rings back. The wedding happens. He runs into his ex-wife, Virginia, I believe her name is, or... Victoria. Well, this is before he runs into his ex-wife um, on the. Oh, and the and this is the last deception. How far would you go for a bro? Uh, they're in the car together, and uh, Thomas Hayden uh, Church Jack says, "Hey, let me drive," and then he uh, decides to crash the car, Miles's car, into a tree. To give an excuse for why his face is all busted up. Yeah, if he told his uh, fiance that he got in a car accident. Um, what a cover-up. <laughs> smart. He's covering his bases. Um, I guess. I don't How does that, I don't even know how that works out when it comes to insurance or paying think, for a damaged a car. Fuck, but he's marrying into a rich family, so I'm sure he'll take care of Miles. It's also in L.A. He's driving a, a beater, like an old Saab, so... A convertible Sab. Yeah, which is like, like the broke writer's fucking Batmobile. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, to, you know, to yeah, to sort of wrap it up. I mean, it's it's about you know, the wedding happens. He runs into his ex-wife. Miles does. Um, she seems so peaceful. She's like, she hey, looks, yeah, she's like very. Uh, what's I wouldn't up, say Miles? cherubic because that reminds me of fat baby angel, but angelic. Uh, and it, yeah, I mean, ethereal looking, ethereal wayfish, wayfish like a wood sprite. Uh, also, like Kate Blanchett in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> not a look I'm into. No, no. It, it, she had the peaceful look of somebody that recently joined a cult. She looks like if an Enya song was a person. Hey, Miles, it's great to see you. Um, just yeah. way, way too passive and calm. So Miles drinks, you know, he t- congratulates her on her pregnancy, and I think he's actually kind of happy for her, and he's sad for himself a little bit. It's bittersweet, you know? So he's saving this really expensive bottle of champagne or wine, whatever, I can't I think it was champagne, and has a burger and realizes that the wine is as good as the setting that you're drinking it in, <laughs> uh, which is lovely. It was a good ending scene. He's having a burger in an L, which is a... Big L.A. thing. And he pours the wine into a styrofoam, into a styrofoam cup. cup. But I bet it's fucking delicious, and I'm sure he enjoyed some enjoyed of that the hell out of it. Sideways lean. So I guess the moral of the story is negative perpetuates its negativity perpetuates itself a bit, and life is life. Yeah, he goes back to just being a. I guess he's a middle school teacher. Yeah. And uh, we see a montage of him just being a sad teacher and eating alone. Uh, then uh, he gets a phone call. From Maya, who he gave his manuscripts to, and she actually read his rejected book. I think it was a letter she sent him, no? Or a voicemail. Yeah. Right. So he gets a message from her, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the last, uh, the last scene is him driving back and knocking on her door. And we don't see what happens, whether she opens it. We don't see if it's, um, you know, if things turn out happily ever after. But what... What is good right. is that he is taking steps to control his own life. And somebody read his somebody read his manuscript. Somebody where, who he likes and trusts. Yeah, whereas when he thought, uh, you know, his uh, Jack, who is his best friend in quotes, um, never read his manuscript. Friends never read other friends' writing. They don't read other... Yeah, look. It's true. I, I write things. My friends that write are writers, you know. We don't have time. We're already Nobody. we're 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 working on our own stuff that we're writing, so you really you want to take get, it personally. Don't take it. Don't take. Look, here's another lesson today it's for everybody loss. listening. <laughs> don't take anything personally, and uh, yeah, put your work out there for strangers. Yeah, you know, you'll get Some, you'll get real feedback. Yeah, somebody will listen. It's true. Just, or read just, it. Or <laughs> That's listen. what we're doing here. Yeah, right. Yeah, dude. I don't care if my friends listen to this at all. No, actually, most of, yeah, most of my friends don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But you know who we care about? You. You guys. You guys who are out here, the Eat, Pray, Judgers who are listening to us. And thank you so much for listening to us today. Yep. Uh, again, Sideways, great great film. Watch it. Yeah. Well, this is a, a high recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I love all of, all of Alexander Payne's work. Yes, and this one is as well written as they come. Um, yeah. Check it out. And also give us 
come come see us at uh, Eat, Pray, Judge at Instagram. Um, comment on anything you want to see. Just resp- you know. Yeah, we're on That's, Twitter. Twitter's as well. great. Instagram uh, too. If you want to post, we'll we'll run some questions out there for you. Yeah, we do. We read every message. Yeah, and uh, so let us know what things you want to see or what you how you felt about it. What you, what you want to see more of, hear more of. Yeah, what was your favorite part of Sideways? Um, leave us a review and a five star rating on iTunes. Yep. We would love that. That's, or Spotify as well. That's the best way to um, to show your appreciation for the show. Yeah. So once again, I'm Gabe Pacheco, and you can find me at Gabe underscore Pacheco on Twitter. Uh, Sammy Hamarne at, at Sammy Hamarne. Uh, also at E-Pray Judge both, both of our uh, link is in the bio there if you want to get out more episodes and uh, get in touch with us we'll talk to you soon thanks bye